Hi, I'm Chris Green, the History Chap, telling stories that bring British history to life. This podcast is ad-free, thanks to the generosity of my subscribers, such as David and Carl. At the 11th hour, on the 11th day of the 11th month, 1918, the First World War came to an end. It's a time and day which people throughout Britain and the Commonwealth pause to remember the fallen. It was a war that cost nearly 20 million lives, 700,000 of which were British or their Commonwealth allies. And the vast majority of those 700,000 were killed on the Western Front, and they're buried in the military cemeteries throughout Belgium and France, cared for by the Commonwealth War Graves Commission. In one tiny cemetery, near the town of Mons, where the British Army first fought the Germans, lies the grave of the last British soldier killed in the war. He died just an hour and a half before hostilities ceased. The poignant fact is that the ceasefire had already been agreed over four hours beforehand, but had been delayed for six hours. This is the story of George Edwin Ellison, the last British soldier to be killed in World War I. George Ellison was born in Yorkshire in 1878. Having worked as a barman, he joined the army when he was 23 and he remained in the forces for 10 years until in 1912 he married Hannah Maria Bergen and left to become a coal miner. Moving to Leeds, Hannah gave birth to their only child, a son, James, a year later. But the storm clouds of war were gathering across Europe, and on the 4th of August 1914, war was declared between the UK and Germany. George immediately re-enlisted and was assigned to the 5th Royal Irish Lancers. Originally formed in 1689, they had been disbanded in 1799 when accusations arose that they had been infiltrated by members of the United Irishmen, who under Wolfe Tone had rebelled against British rule in Ireland the previous year. Reformed in 1858, they became Lancers and had served in both the campaigns in the Sudan and in the Boer War. They were one of the first military units to be dispatched to the continent as part of the British Expeditionary Force in August 1914. And so George Ellison now found himself riding through France and into Belgium, somewhat ironically for a former miner, ending up at the coal mining town of Mons. The ensuing Battle of Mons, fought on the 23rd of August 1914, was the first major encounter between the British and German armies on the Western Front. Over the next four years, over 700,000 British and Commonwealth servicemen were to die in this bloody conflict. By the autumn of 1918, the tide had finally started to turn against Germany. A German offensive earlier in the year had been halted and now the Allies were pushing them back. On the 8th of November, German and Allied delegates met to broker a ceasefire. They met in the railway carriage of the Allied Supreme Commander, Marshal Foch. And finally, at 5am on the 11th of November, the two sides agreed to a ceasefire. The Germans lobbied for an immediate cessation of hostilities upon signing the ceasefire. But Marshal Foch insisted that the armistice would come into effect six hours later at 11 o'clock that morning. The momentous news was relayed to armies in their trenches along the Western Front. The so-called Great War, the war to end all wars, was finally coming to an end. But there was no end-of-term party atmosphere. Far from winding down, Allied commanders continued to attack the Germans and send men to their deaths. On that final morning of the war, with the ceasefire signed but not yet effective, nearly 3,000 men would be killed and a further 8,000 wounded. It's easy to blame the Allied commanders as just bloodthirsty, but they had a strategic and tactical reason for continuing to push forward. Technically, what Foch had signed was a ceasefire, 
there was no guarantee that the hostilities wouldn't flare up again, so many Allied commanders wanted to capture strategic positions in case that possibility did occur. Others wanted to weaken the Germans so much that they wouldn't even think about breaking the ceasefire. American Commander General Pershing was certainly in that camp. His desire to pummel the Germans until the very last minute would cost the US Marines over 1,000 men killed and wounded trying to advance across the River Meuse. Elsewhere, some artillery officers simply wanted to get rid of as many shells as possible so they didn't have to transport them home back to Britain. And then there was also the matter of prestige. Back in August 1914, George Ellison and the British Army had been driven out of Mons by the Germans. Now, all these years later, the war had come full circle and the British were just outside the town. The British commanders decided that as a matter of both prestige or maybe poetic justice, they should liberate Mons before the ceasefire. During the early hours of the 11th of November, whilst the negotiators were hammering out that armistice settlement in Foch's railway carriage, the British launched an assault that finally recaptured the town. And just to bring the war full circle, one of the units liberating the Belgian town were the 5th Royal Irish Lancers. They'd spent the entire four years of the war on the Western Front, participating in some of the fiercest battles the British Army fought. Mons, the Marne, Ypres, Camry, Arras, the Somme. And amongst their number was a regimental legend, George Ellison. Now aged 40, the Yorkshireman had survived the whole war without even an injury. That is a pretty amazing achievement. His only brother, Fred, hadn't been so lucky. He'd been killed the previous year. In the hours after the signing of the ceasefire, they continued to press forward to maximise their advantage. At 3am, the 5th Royal Irish Lancers were ordered to scout a forest beyond the town. They moved forward in the still dark November morning. A small party under Lieutenant Briggs advanced cautiously into the forest. With the officer was Private George Ellison. In the grey light of dawn, they came face to face with a German machine gun emplacement. As they were merely a small scouting party, Lieutenant Briggs decided they should withdraw. And as they rapidly retraced their steps, a single shot rang out from the German positions. Just one shot. George Ellison slumped from his horse. It was 9.30am. He had survived over four years of carnage of the First World War, and with just 90 minutes until the ceasefire, he now lay dead on the ground. He is recognised as the last British soldier killed in action during the First World War. Back in Leeds, he left behind Hannah and his young son James. His family only learned of his death just before Christmas. He was one of 10,000 men from the city of Leeds who never came home from the war. Before I go on, if you enjoy my work, then why not sign up for my free weekly history newsletter? There's a link in the description. Anyway, back to the story. George Edward Ellison was buried in the saint symphorion Military Cemetery to the southeast of Mons. By a twist of fate, his gravestone faces that of the very first British soldier killed in the First World War. It was on the 21st of August 1914, just 17 days after Britain had entered the First World War, that a teenager from the Middlesex Regiment had been killed just before the Battle of Mons. John Parr from Barnet had joined the army in 1912 when he was just 15. At the time, he lied about his age, claiming he was 18 years old, the youngest age at which the British Army would accept recruits. The 5'3", former golf caddy, enrolled in the 4th Battalion of the Middlesex Regiment. When war was declared on the 4th of August 1914, the 4th Battalion was sent to France as part of the same British Expeditionary Force that included George Ellison's 5th Royal Irish Lancers. Landing at Boulogne, they, just like Ellison's regiment, moved up to Mons. It was there on the 21st of August 1914, just 17 days after the war started, 
that young John was sent out on a bicycle reconnaissance just to the northeast of Mons. Cycling with a lance corporal, they ran into a patrol of German Uhlans, or cavalry lancers. Whilst holding off the Germans so his comrade could ride to safety, John Parr was shot dead. He was the first British soldier to be killed in World War I. In the ensuing Battle of Mons, over 400 men of his Middlesex regiment met the same fate as John Parr. It adds to the sense of irony that not only were the first and last British soldiers killed in the First World War buried in the same cemetery, but that one met his end at the hand of German lancers, whilst the other was a British lancer. Moving forward to the morning of the 11th of November 1918, whilst George Ellison was the last British soldier killed in action on that fateful last day of the war, he wasn't the last Commonwealth soldier. Because just two minutes, two minutes before the guns fell silent, Canadian George Lawrence Price was also killed near Mons. The 27-year-old, originally from Nova Scotia, had been drafted the previous year. Assigned to the 28th Canadian Infantry Division, he had arrived in France in May 1918. Having survived the ordeal of a gas attack, he was back on the front line on the 26th of September, just six weeks before the armistice. On the morning of the 11th of November 1918, he had been part of that British liberation of Mons. Just like George Ellison, his unit now moved forward to secure as much strategic advantage before the ceasefire at 11am. Having crossed the canal, his unit were involved in some street fighting as they moved from house to house, clearing them of their German defenders. It was 10.57 that he walked out of the front door of another liberated house that he was shot in the stomach by a sniper. A local Belgian woman pulled him inside and tried to treat him, but he died a minute later. 10.58. Just two minutes before the war came to a close. He too is buried in the Saint-Symphirion military cemetery, along with John Parr and George Ellison. Interestingly, the cemetery had originally been established by the Germans after the Battle of Mons, and is the resting place of 227 British, two Canadian, and 284 German soldiers. One of the latter, Oscar Niemeyer, was the first winner, although posthumously, of the Iron Cross in the First World War. It's truly an incredible little cemetery. And yet, amazingly, George Lawrence Price was not the last Allied soldier to be killed in the war. With two minutes left, there was still time for one more death in this bloody conflict. As I said earlier, many commanders were pushing their men forward right to the very end. None more so than General Pershing, the commander of US forces on the Western Front. 23-year-old Private Henry Gunter was part of the attacking army. And he was a man with a point to prove. He'd been busted down to the ranks from sergeant, and he also felt he was unfairly treated by both his superiors and his comrades because of his German heritage. In those last few minutes of the war, his party were ordered to attack a German machine gun nest. As they advanced, the Germans couldn't quite believe the Americans were still attacking this close to the ceasefire time. Surely they knew how close they were to 11 o'clock when all this butchery would end. They fired their machine guns over the heads of the Americans who dived for cover. It dawned on most of those US soldiers that there was no need to play heroes at this late hour. Just keep your heads down and sit out the next couple of minutes. And that's what they decided to do. All except one. Henry Gunther rose and with his bayonet fixed on the end of his rifle, he charged the Germans alone. By now the Germans were shouting and waving for him to stop, but he took no notice. They fired another round over his head, but he kept coming. And finally, as he closed within about 65, 70 feet of their positions, the Germans fired a burst of five shots at him, one of which struck him in the temple. It was 10.59, and less than 60 seconds later, at the 11th hour on the 11th day of the 11th month of 1918, 
the guns fell silent. It's estimated that over 2,700 soldiers died on the 11th of November 1918. And if you're sad and maybe angry at this waste, you wouldn't be alone. The US Congress actually conducted an investigation about why their soldiers died on the last day, and they placed the blame squarely on the shoulders of the senior commanders of the American Expeditionary Force, and in particular, General Pershing. The British and Canadian governments didn't bother to go down that route. It was simply bad luck that men like George Ellison and George Lawrence had died on the last morning of the war, after the ceasefire had been agreed, but just not implemented. Maybe the worst luck, however, was to before the last German thought to have died on the Western Front that morning, a lieutenant by the surname of Thomas. Shortly after 11am, Lieutenant Thomas led his men out of a house that the Germans had been defending. He advanced towards the Americans to inform them that the house had not been booby-trapped and was safe for them to enter. Unaware of the time, the Americans opened fire, killing him. Apart from the unfortunate German, Lieutenant Thomas, the 11 o'clock armistice held for a full 30 days of the agreed ceasefire. It was renewed three times until a peace treaty was finally signed at the Palace of Versailles in January 1920. But as a quirky footnote, the news of the armistice didn't reach the German army still holding out in Africa under Paul von Leto Vorbeck. It wasn't until nearly two weeks later that his incredible campaign came to an end, a campaign that I will talk about in a future episode. In the Sonsenfurion military cemetery, German and Commonwealth soldiers now lie at peace. And facing each other, John Parr, the first British soldier killed, and George Ellison, the last British soldier killed. The story of four years of conflict and 700,000 British and Commonwealth dead, poignantly represented by two graves just a few yards apart. If you enjoyed this episode, then please support me so I can research and tell more interesting stories from history. You'll also keep my podcast ad free. In return, you'll get access to exclusive supporters-only episodes. Click on the links below and in the subscription. I'm Chris Green, the History Chap. Thanks for your support. Keep well. And I'll speak to you again very soon.